And with that, it's time for the Jack Riccardi Show. And here is Jack Riccardi. Indeed. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what a, Have you ever noticed that every so often there's a story about people caught having sex at a baseball game? I saw that it happened this this week. It happened Monday night in Toronto. Yep. Uh, the Blue Jays and the Cubs. And, and people started videoing this couple that were going at it. Uh, in one of the uh, you know upper decks at that stadium, but it's always baseball. Well, you've heard you know back in school you reach second base, you read third. Oh, is base. that what it is? Yeah, it yeah. fits. It touching fits. all the bases. Yep, yeah. there you go. Inside the park home run. I <laughs> yeah. I was thinking it's because baseball is a slower sport. You know that's a good point because seeing I mean, basketball, when you're watching baseball, you're yeah. looking. You start looking for something else to do while it's on. Right. Yeah, see, in basketball, it's just too fast. You might miss yeah. something. In hockey, you could get hit in the head with the puck if you're not paying attention. Right, right. You know, so baseball, you know what? Baseball's asking for it. That's the bottom line. You know, in football, you could be flagged for illegal use of hands. Maybe instead of the kissing cam, they'll have this cam. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> nice yeah. job. They're trying, to, they're trying to speed up the game. You know, they're trying, to, they're trying to kind of make it more exciting for younger people. Maybe instead, maybe instead of escorting them out of the stadium, I don't know, you, you give them... Uh, you know, a prize package or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, take me out to the ball game. So let's try to figure out, you and I, what the heck Donald Trump and his lawyers are doing. So today was supposed to be a biggie because the judge in Florida was going to rule on the special master request. And the judge could either rule right then or say that she would hand down a ruling later. And that's what she did. We didn't get a ruling today. Uh, There's going to be a ruling later on whether there needs to be a special master. But Trump may have changed this thing a little bit by all of his posts on Truth Social. I'm not on Truth Social, are you? Well, you know, that's his his answer to Twitter. And he, um, he tweeted about that picture we talked about yesterday of all the documents strewn on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. And he wrote this. There seems to be some confusion as to the picture of documents sloppily thrown on the floor and then released photographically for the world to see, as if that's what the FBI found when they broke into my home. Wrong. They took out, remember when you used to say that during the Hillary debate? Wrong. They took out cartons and spread them around on the carpet, making it look like a big find for them. They dropped them, not me. Very deceiving. And remember, we could have had no representative we could have no representative including lawyers present during the raid they were told to wait outside so these documents which um the fbi released a picture of to say hey look he had secret stuff trump's response to that is uh hey they they took it out of the folders i didn't so he seems to be admitting on truth social um, that he had possession of things that they rightfully are regarding as secret. Um, now, you know that his defense and the defense put forward by his absolutely terrible legal team is that presidents have the power to declassify. But when presidents declassify this stuff, that doesn't mean anyone can see it. That just means it's declassified. So if he is saying that he gave a standing order for stuff to be declassified when he had it, then 
his attorneys are not getting the message because they're asking for a special master with security clearance to review the data. There's no need for special clearance if, in fact, he declassified all this. I, I, I'm going to ask, we're going to ask our constitutional law expert, Bill Pyatt, to come on next hour and talk about this because um, a lot of people looking at this today think this takes him a step closer to indictment. In other words, he's not, he's not saying, I didn't have anything secret, there wasn't anything that they needed to be concerned about. Now he's saying they threw them on the floor. Look. You know, he's also saying something else that we need to talk about. He now believes that the um, 2020 election, he, he, he has believed since election night that he won the 2020 election, right? And he realizes that what the DOJ is doing right now is attempting to disqualify him from running again. So he is now saying that he should be allowed to, or we should be able to redo the 2020 election. He still is saying publicly that he can and should be reinstated as president before the 2024 election. In fact, some people now think that's why he's putting off announcing a candidacy because it would be one thing if you were going to say, I'm going to run against Joe Biden in 2024. And it would be something else if you were saying, hey, I'm president again. I'm running for another term in 2024. Why is he saying stuff like this? Why do you think he's talking this way? Because, look, there's enough disinformation out there without Trump leading or misleading anyone into thinking he's going to be parachuted back into the presidency. That is not going to happen. There is not going to be a redo of the 2020 election. So I get that he believes he won it. I get that guys like him always believe they won. They've never lost anything in their lives. But does he really believe, or does he really expect you and I to believe that under our system of government, he's going to somehow insinuate himself back into the Oval Office. I'm, I'm taking all this in, and I don't know how it sounds to you, but all of this sounds to me like Ron DeSantis. I don't want to have to explain and defend a guy who thinks we can redo the election or he's going to be reinstated. Like This isn't like a contest where the runner-up gets the title if the if the winner is disqualified, it's not going to happen. I mean, what do you make of that? 210-599-5555. And so if he believes this, if this is really what he believes, he's misleading you. And I'm having a real problem with that. I like what he did as president, but I'm not good with this. And then you have the current president. And he's uh, going to give his Soul of the Nation speech tonight in Philadelphia. We talked a lot about that um, yesterday. The Soul of the Nation. You know, you can't save souls if you're part of what's corrupting souls. 
And on Joe Biden's watch, the soul of the, of the nation, the condition of our country has gotten worse. Our country is more divided, more violent. It's more expensive to live here. People are more pessimistic about the future. We're making scarcity the new normal. We're not telling people it's temporary. We're telling people get used to it. The world smells our weakness and our vulnerability and our lack of leadership. And Joe Biden is a guy that always winds up telling stories about things that aren't true. So if he's going to describe or prescribe the condition of our soul tonight, why would I believe him? You know, I I keep thinking, if you took this literally, if you felt your soul needed to be saved, you would talk to somebody who you had a great deal of faith in, and whose faith in God was strong. You would expect that person to be honest with you, to tell you what you were doing that was endangering your soul. You'd have to keep an open mind because you'd be hearing things you don't want to hear. And you'd have to trust that that person was shooting straight with you. In what way is, is President Joe Biden the guy who can do that? He has made up an entire alternative history of his own life. By the way, this is a man who's actually had tragedy in his life. But instead of that being his sort of touchstone, he makes up stories about things he never did, places he never went, experiences he never had, like almost like he's a, a real-life Forrest Gump. He puts himself in historical circumstances that he wasn't present for or part of. And so I don't know any other way to see this tonight other than a very desperate, you know, throw for the end zone before the midterms. Soul of the nation. Now, Lindsey Graham, who I'm not a big fan of, and I, I know a lot of you are not either, says uh, said the other day, I think it was over the weekend, that he was worried about where this whole uh, investigation and prosecution of Trump was going. And he said that if uh, Trump was indicted, um, there there might be, you know, blood in the streets there might be there might be uh you know a, a violent uh reaction and of course they're swatting him down for that and it's terrible and biden biden came on and says an awful thing to say and so forth and so on um but i don't want to ask you about lindsey graham i want to ask you um if you think people are figuring out what's going on, I don't want you to react to all this the way you feel about it, just this for this moment, if I can ask you to do this a little differently. Normally I ask you, what do you think? How do you feel about anything we're talking about? But in this case, I want to ask you, how do you think we the people are receiving this, getting this? understanding this and what do you think the level of awareness is about this whole soul of the nation raid on Mar-a-Lago now the White House is naming enemies it's now naming people 
in the Republican Party that are ultra MAGA and dangerous. So we're essentially back to Nixon's enemies list. I, I think I know how you feel about this because you're listening to this show and you've heard me and, you, you know, so chances are we're, we're probably simpatico about a lot of things. But, but everybody else out there, what's your sense of how people are getting this or not getting it? They like to call it the big lie where Trump says he should have won the election or Biden stole the election. I, I don't know if that's a lie because the only way you can call something a lie is to know that it is not true. I don't know if that is true or not. Here's what here here's what is a lie. It is a lie to tell people that there is a mechanism under which we can redo the 2020 election. Okay? Getting people's hopes up or encouraging people to even think or wonder if that's going to happen um is is just brazen. And look, I mean I like how he governed. I like what he did to the political system in this country. He shook it up. He disrupted it. And you rewarded him with your vote, perhaps once, maybe even twice. But now he's telling you something that isn't true. I mean, provably isn't true. We know it isn't true. And that's going to be a problem for me if he wants my vote again. Why does he say this stuff? Um, d- does he believe it's true and, and no one has told him that's not how it works? This isn't like a beauty pageant where the runner-up gets the crown? Or does he just not care that this r- raises people's hopes? I hate to think that, but it does. You know, in the same way that a lot of people thought something could happen on January 6th, 2021 that had no chance of happening... He's now again sort of dangling it out there that, hey, you know, maybe I'll be back in before 2024. Well, no. And then you have Joe Biden, whose lies make him the last person who should be healing or rehabbing the soul of our country. What do you think people make of all this? I I, kind of know where you're at based on you being here. I mean, you, you chose to listen to this show. If you've heard me before, you, you, you and I probably kind of think along the same lines. You, I mean, you may not agree with me on everything, but you don't, you don't hate the general thrust of the show. So I kind of know where you're at, but do you think people, can people see this? These are the two great figures right now. And this is what they're putting out. And that's pretty damn discouraging. That doesn't make me want to have a rematch in 2024. Farthest thing from it. 210-599-5555. There's a great quote from Lincoln. Thomas Sowell quoted Lincoln. Uh, one time Lincoln was talking to an audience, and he asked the audience, how many legs does a dog have if you count the tail as a leg? And people in the audience answered, five. And Lincoln told them that the correct answer was four. Because the fact that you called the tail a leg did not make it a leg. Are people getting this right now? The dog has four legs. No matter what Biden says. No matter what Trump says. Dog has four legs. 210-599-5555. When I was a kid, 
and I heard adults talking about politics and politicians, the, the sort of the, uh, the baseline of worst, bottom feeding, couldn't get any worse was Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon's name when I was a kid was like a, was like, it was like a swear word, you know. That Kinky Friedman, Sean Rimes' buddy, uh, uses the word Nixon to describe a bowel movement. But that's how people thought about Nixon after Watergate. And it came out during Watergate that Nixon had an enemies list. That he had uh, aides maintain lists of people. And they were all over the place. They were, they were Democrats in Congress, and they were people in the movie industry, and they were people in organized labor, and they were, you know, all different kinds of people. Paul Newman was on the list. And these were the enemies of Nixon. And the enemies list had a purpose. The IRS was supposed to make life difficult for these people. That was the purpose of the enemies list. And now the White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, is naming Republicans as enemies of democracy. She was asked about the soul of the nation speech, and she pointed to and named, not pointed to, they weren't there, but named, um, Trump, DeSantis, uh, Madison Cawthorn, the congressman from North Carolina who has already lost his primary, so he's on his way out. Marjorie Taylor Greene, the congresswoman from Georgia, and Paul Gozar, the uh, Republican congressman from Arizona, who are attacking the core values of our country, said KGP. And she said there are more examples than I can count before listing those specific people. So I guess that's Biden's enemies list. And you know what's ironic is that Biden's political career started right around the time that Watergate was flushing the toilet of the American political system. I mean, a lot of politicians got into politics, a lot of political careers launched, started, claimed, in fact, their inspiration with Watergate. Biden came to the Senate in January of 1973. 1973 was the year of the Watergate hearings. Nixon was out of office the following year. So he of all people, you would think. I mean, a lot of younger politicians, they don't remember Watergate. They weren't alive for it. I was just a little kid. This is a guy that was cutting his political teeth. And now he has an enemies list. How cynical is that? It's like everything that the other side does is evil, but when we do it, it's A-OK. We can have an enemies list. It's just not all right when they have one. We can question elections, but it's not okay when they do. We can be guarded by guns, but you're not allowed to have them. We can build walls around where we live, but you're not allowed to protect where you live with a wall or a fence. I mean, it's just on and on and on. Are people getting this, do you think? Because I don't know. I, I, I would like to think that we're not all just team blue and team red. I think people are fed up with the whole kit and caboodle of them. I mean, th- this is these are the these are the leading lights. These are the top people. This is what they're telling you right now. And the fact that they're telling you this stuff and they expect you to believe it 
tells them tells you how little respect they have for you. They're, they're telling you terrible lies that aren't even crafty or clever, and you're supposed to be so dumb that you'll drink at least some of them in. Oh yeah, okay. College football. Oh man, I, I, I am like this is like Christmas for me. Penn State, Purdue tonight. There are games tomorrow night. There's games Sunday. There's a game on Monday night. The Saturday games, I mean, this is going to be incredible. UTSA is hosting Houston, which is going to be a great game. Notre Dame at Ohio State. you, You have to know college sports and how great that is. That is, I mean, you know, that's epic. That's goosebump stuff, right? Rudy. Oregon, Georgia, Michigan, Colorado State. A lot of great games. Um, a lot of great storylines. And um, I can't wait for all of it. I, I, I will say this, and I feel guilty saying it. I know a lot of you have plans that are outside or you're watching the weather for the weekend kind of nervously because it looks like there's going to be rain. I, I really don't <laughs> really don't care. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I care about you. I care about your plans, but... It can rain on my head all at once. It can rain at my house all at once because I want to watch these games. 210-599-5555. I think one of the the ways you know we're in trouble is that when a guy like Lindsey Graham, who's wrong about almost everything, makes the obvious point that if our government acts like a banana republic, it pro- it's going to provoke an ugly, nasty response. People are going to reach a breaking point. When the answer to that is, Lindsey Graham should shut up, instead of dealing with that, confronting that, you know we're in trouble. And what he said on, I think it was on Fox, was that he believed... Uh, that if there was a prosecution of Trump, there would, quote, literally be riots in the streets. I worry about the country. Now, the people telling Lindsey Graham to shut up were fine with riots in the streets over the last two years, as long as the riots were about something else. I mean, even COVID rules didn't apply. If you were out in the streets setting things on fire and looting stores for George Floyd. And this is why I ask you, how do you think people are looking at all this? Because it, that's that's got to be obvious to a lot of people. I mean, if Lindsey Graham can figure it out, a lot of other people have figured it out, too. He's not, you know, the sharpest knife in the drawer. And instead of whining about his stating the obvious... And you have a president who went to Philadelphia this week and said, uh, uppity patriots are going to have F-15s set on them. (laughs) Shouldn't we be more worried about what people are taking in, what it is doing to us, and the inevitable reaction to it? You can't keep playing this game with people. You can't get, I read today that, I, I don't know if you knew this or not, congressional staffers have had college loan forgiveness for years for themselves and their families. 
People are already irate at the proposal to do college loan forgiveness for a select group of people. Now they find out that congressional staffers have had it for years. We just didn't know. And the people that are provoking and stirring the pot and turning up the temperature, they won't stop. Every day is a new outrage. Every day is a new lie that you know is a lie. Every day they're telling you to ignore the things you can see with your own eyes because you're wrong. We're not out of baby formula. So there's a story I was reading about, um, this happened in Colorado. There's an electric company in Colorado called Excel. And about 20,000 people in Colorado were locked out of their thermostats the other day during what Excel called an energy emergency. The temperature had gone up into the upper 90s. And so people could not, their thermostats went up. I think it was 79. And when people went to, to override that setting from the utility company, they got a notice on the screen of their smart thermostat that said you're, you're, you're locked out. Can't, you can't override it. These were people that had signed up for some sort of voluntary energy-saving deal. I think CPS has something like it, too. You can sign up with the utilities where you'll say, hey, um, I give you permission during peak usage times to ride my thermostat up a little bit. With the understanding, these people thought, well, if they do it and I don't like it or I start to get uncomfortable, I'll just pull it back down to 75 or 77 or whatever you want it to be. No, couldn't do it. Locked out. So the the utility company is saying, hey, these people signed up. The people that signed up apparently didn't read all the fine print or didn't realize they had surrendered their thermostats. We've been talking about California. California's going to mandate only electric cars can be sold there starting in 2035. And it's actually before that. They're going to start hitting goals way before 2035. So the crunch will be felt long before then. That's just the the end of the series or steps of mandates. But also this week, California told people, please don't charge your electric vehicle in the evening because we're having energy shortages. We're having rolling blackouts. So the state that is hurting us into electric cars is also making it impossible for people to charge them. All of this is managing scarcity. All of this is making scarcity the new normal. And my question about this is, how much longer will people put up with this? You know, we as Americans rally around a good cause. And if you tell us we have to do something in an emergency, in a crisis, we figure it out. You know, ask your grandparents if you have relatives in your family that remember the Depression or remember the, you know, the rationing of World War II. It's not that people liked it, but people rallied around it. They innovated. They found creative ways to do it. They did that because they trusted their leaders who told them there is an imperative reason to do this and it will only be for a duration of time and then we will be back to normal. So they believed their leaders, they believed there was a cause worth sacrificing for, they believed it was temporary. Does any of this right now feel temporary to you? Because it doesn't to me. I think we're being retrained. Scarcity is not a crisis anymore, scarcity is the new normal. 
In Europe, in some cities in Europe, they're turning off the traffic lights during high-energy grid periods. So people must be seeing this. I mean, I know you see it. You're here. You've chosen to listen to a show like this. Are people out there, the people that are not listening to talk radio, people that maybe don't follow this stuff the way you do or have the appetite for it that you do, you think they're getting it? I think they're going to get it. If they're not getting it now, I, I, I think eventually they will. But the concern I have is that the longer scarcity is normal, the less people will complain about it. Because remember what we just learned over the last two years. You can retrain people to do things they never dreamed in their lives they would be doing, and they'll think it's normal. Look at all the people still wearing masks. Now, three or four years ago, those people didn't own a mask. They never never thought of wearing one. Perhaps they'd never had one on in their lives. But they now believe it's normal to wear one. They feel naked without it. They're wondering, where's yours? I'm not picking on them. It's a free country. Do what you want. But they were retrained by very cynical leaders who made something sound at first temporary, but then never ended it. And that's what I think is happening right now with this supposed energy scarcity. This doesn't feel like the gas lines of the 70s where... Okay, well, this is crazy, but we're not going to stay like this. This feels like the plan is to stay like this. Tell me what you think. Tell me how you think other people are perceiving this. Uh, 210-599-5555. Sam is on KTSA, Jack Riccardi Show. Sam, good afternoon. How are you doing, Jack? Listen, I wanted to respond to what you asked about the how we, the people, feel about what Biden is doing and saying about this, uh, I, the soul of the nation. I think the title should be, I soul, S-O-L-D, the nation. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I don't know. I mean, y- you have to think a lot of yourself as a moral leader to believe that you can give a speech with that theme or that title, right? Right. I mean, he must he must think or people must be telling him that Americans are looking to him as sort of a Billy Graham like, you know, national pastor. And I I get I get none of that. And and I realize I'm not one of his supporters or voters, but even they must know. Right. The guy is a politician with a capital P. Well, one thing before I forget, uh, another thing that I wanted to share with you. I would like to share with you how I am glad and proud about Joe Biden. I am so glad and so proud that I didn't vote for that fool. There you go. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate having you. 210-599-5555. I, I, um, I, I, I chafe at the use of the word soul because it's cynical. Um, if you are a religious person, if you believe there's something beyond this life, if you believe in the idea that you have a soul, that each of us has a soul, how dare Joe Biden's speechwriters just borrow that word for their own cynical, short-term political purposes? How cynical. 
how dumb we would be to fall for it. I've said for a long time, I'm worried about the spiritual nature of of where things are going in this country. I I don't worry that people aren't going to organized, the churches of organized religions, or I don't worry that people are going to non-denominational churches. You know what I worry about more than that? I, I, I mean, I'm a Catholic, but I'm not... I'm not worried about declining attendance at Catholic churches. I'm I'm worried I'm worried that people are placing faith in political parties that is not worthy of political parties, any of them, and political people, none of them. So if you're going to have faith, if you're going to entrust your soul, please not a Republican, not a Democrat, not a president, not a presidential candidate. If you're in the soul business, if you're thinking along the lines of your soul, you, you have to think much higher. Now, if, if you don't, if, if you don't believe in that stuff or you think this is it, this life is all there is and we're just worm food when it's over, that's okay too. I'm not going to argue with you. But, but then you're probably not throwing soul around a lot, right? Our politics has taken on the trappings of religion, and politicians are savvy enough to figure that out. And we're bound to be disappointed if we put them in charge of our souls or we entrust them with our souls. We're bound to be disappointed. I don't care who they are. 210-599-5555. Do you think people are realizing all of this, wising up to all of this. So not only what the president is going to do tonight, which again I think is pretty cynical, but also Donald Trump coming out and saying um, you know, that there needs to be a, a, a redo of the election or he needs to be reinstated as president. I thought we were waiting to hear whether or not he was going to run for president again. I mean, he certainly has the right to do that. But if he is leading anyone to believe, if there is anyone out there who so admires him that they now believe that that is a path forward, there's some mechanism for that, there's some possibility for that, Even even though there isn't and there never has been, that's not how our system works. There's 0.0 language or precedent for that then that's a that's also very cynical and i think i know a lot of people that are hoping he runs for president in 2024 but i think a lot of them are hoping he is running for them running to represent them running to be a vessel for them but when i hear him talk this way it sounds like he would be he's more interested in in himself He's more interested in claiming something that he believes is rightfully his. He's got his receipt. And he wants what's owed him. That's his fight. That's his aspiration or ambition, but that's not yours. And so we look at these leaders, these major leaders, and they're either insulting our intelligence or putting us last on their list. And I think people are getting that. 
I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know the shape of the reaction to that. I don't know if it's Lindsey Graham's prediction or what it is, but, but, but people are getting it. And this is a different time. I've lived in times, and you've, you and I have lived in times when you could really feel like, boy, the pendulum is about to swing the other way. One party is about to get a big boost, and the other party is about to get spanked, because that's how we normally act out our perception of things. But that can't happen if we don't feel good about either of them. If we're being insulted by both of them. So did you see that story, Christian, about the uh, this guy was a big um, executive at Russia's National Oil Company, but he was also a critic of the way Putin was dealing with Ukraine, and they reported he fell out of a window. Yeah. He fell out of a window. And needless to say, he won't be down for breakfast. But... Um, <laughs> I, you know, the, 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 it must be, it must be something to be a, a Putin enemy, right? Well, you, we're talking Russia, and I'm just, you know, I guess the question begs, and I think this is where you're going with this. How does one fall out of a window? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe the windows are different there, but, um, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't think you know, so. I, I mean, to be fair, let's not pick on the windows. I mean, if he hadn't fallen out the window, it would have been a slip and fall in the bathroom or, well, let me ask you this. This is a news Working person. The yeah. Real quick, do we know that the window was open? Mm. Um, that would that would change things, wouldn't it? Like if there's a if there's a man shaped hole in the window, right? Versus if the window was already open. But it, but again, even if it was open, you know, what are the odds that you just? It's kind of convenient, isn't it? Fall out. Yeah. You know, was he was he watering a plant? I mean, what was he? So any uh, so anyway, watch your step. Um, you may remember we've we've talked about uh, Project Veritas on the show before. You may remember that they're kind of the the their specialty is the hidden camera, hidden microphone, catching people. Uh, they they have a knack for getting people to brag about what they're doing in a way that they would not normally publicly speak to it. You may remember they they're the ones that caught Planned Parenthood executives in the business of selling, um, you know, body part baby body parts. And anyway, they. They did a, a, a sit-down with uh, a guy named Jeremy Boland, who's an assistant principal of a school in Greenwich, Connecticut. It looks like they're maybe on a patio or maybe an outside seating area of a restaurant. They're visiting with this guy, and he's talking about how uh, he discriminates against conservative and or Catholic applicants for jobs. As an AP, he hires teachers. And he is pretty sure that if you're Catholic, he doesn't want any part of you. And um, I want to play a little of this for you. I will say it's a little hard to um, make out because, again, it's a microphone that's probably concealed in a purse or a duffel bag or something. But um, first, let me play this clip. This is where he talks about how teachers' jobs are to shape the way students think. Cut number two. They're teaching them how to think. That's it. Doesn't matter what they think about it. If they think about it in a logical, progressive way, that becomes their own. Like, a, so you kind of like you're thinking of more liberal. Mm-hmm. Believe me, the, the whole more progressive teachers are actually more savvy about delivering like a democratic message without really ever mentioning politics. subtle. They'll never say, oh, this is a liberal or a democratic way of doing this. 
you just make that the norm. This is how we handle things. And that's how you get away with it? And how do you make sure the parents don't find out? They can find out, so long as you never reach an apology. And then later down the line, you're going to vote Democrat, and you will have done a great service to our country. And then he talks about how um, he, he can detect a potentially conservative applicant for a teaching position, cut number five. Have a lot of right wingers applying. Well, I haven't, I haven't interviewed many because I feel like I'm able to screen it out. How so? I need younger. So, because Greenwich pays very well, you get teachers from other districts who've been there for a long time that want to come to Greenwich. But if they're older, I'm not allowed to do that. But I, I can't. Tell them I'm not interviewing you because you're older. I just don't interview you. So, like for one position, I think we had 30 applicants. So, out of all those applicants, I don't think I interviewed anybody over the age of 30. Because they would. A couple of reasons, yeah. Sometimes you're older, you get the more set your ways, more conservative you get. Remember that teacher I was talking about before, the 40 year old, I'll never change that teacher. Your what? I'll never be able to change that teacher. Which one? The conservative one. Oh, yeah. away. I'll never so be able to He's admitting her. on tape that he only hires or he only interviews, so there's no chance of hiring. He only interviews younger applicants because the older ones might be conservative or have more traditional ideas. And then he says they'd also be hard to, harder for me to change. So he's indoctrinating the people he hires to indoctrinate the students they teach he says he would never hire a catholic i'm not going to play more of this because it's hard to hear but he says because if someone's raised catholic they're brainwashed you can never change their mindset so when you ask them to consider something new like a new opportunity they're stuck they're just rigid i take this as a great compliment to my faith i'm glad that he thinks or recognizes that in catholics i have news for him there's many other people who are not Catholic, who are also not easily uh, bull-bleeped by a guy like Jeremy Boland, but I'm glad that he recognizes it in Catholics. Um, So he's he's saying the quiet parts out loud. We are looking for young, impressionable teachers who are progressive, who will have no compunction about uh, influencing and uh, indoctrinating uh, their students. We're subtle, so the parents don't find out. And um, now, of course, you know that you know how this story will will proceed, right? Now that you know, there'll be we're gonna we're gonna look into this, and we're disturbed by these comments, and then he'll be placed on leave or whatever. But but I, I want you to think about this. Not that everyone in the public education business is doing this. Not that not that he's representative of, of of everyone but if you can find a guy like him if project veritas can find a guy like him and they're not a huge organization how hard was it to find him like you can say well jack maybe they maybe they talked to other people and those interviews were much less damning and why don't they play those good point valid point i don't know but even if they talked to 10 teachers before they found jeremy or 20 
before they talked to Jeremy, or 50 before they talked to Jeremy, they found him. And we now know from the window into public education that distance learning gave us, we know what's going on. So now we're just trying to backfill in how did we, how is this happening? How does this work? Because we're not even under any illusions anymore that it's happening. You know what's going to be interesting to watch, and I'm starting to see more and more of it over the last several days, there is a new talking point in these midterms, and you want to file this away because you're going to hear it. The Democrats are about to pull a switcheroo on all of these statistics and all of these measurements that show how badly injured school children were by the lockdowns and by distance learning, the the decline in math and reading scores and literacy and attendance and uh, social and, and psychological problems and speech development, they're about to say, well, you know, that's the, the Republicans. Because the Republicans were in power in the spring of 2020. They closed the schools. They implemented the lockdown. We didn't want to do it. We thought it was a terrible idea. Randy Weingarten, the shameless head of the largest teachers union in the country, is now presenting herself as someone who fought to keep schools open. And I know, I know. You and I, we, we played clips of her. We, we know the real story, but this is, I'm going to come back to what I said last hour. Just because you know what a crock that is, just because you know that's a an incredibly cynical talking point. It's a huge lie. It's a 180 from what really happened. Do people know that? Does everybody know that? I, I know you know it. And I'm not asking you to call me and say, yeah, you're right. But, but do people know it? You watch. That's going to be the next theme. Any, and you're going to hear it any day now. The... The lockdowns, uh, the school closures, terrible. Oh, Republicans did that. Uh, welcoming back uh, on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line, Professor of Law at St. Mary's University School of Law, Bill Pyatt. Professor, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Thank you for having me. Former President Trump has been uh, saying a lot on Truth Social about that uh, DOJ photograph of the documents strewn on the floor at Mar-a-Lago in making the point that he didn't leave them on the floor, is he now saying so much about these secret, top-secret, classified documents that he's actually making um, an indictment more likely? Well, I think if I were his attorneys, I would be very concerned with any statement he makes indicating that he had knowledge that those documents were in his possession and they were classified. Think about this for just a minute. Most laws, well, all laws have some level of scienter, that is knowledge, before there's a violation. Some are strict liability violations, like if there's a 60-mile-an-hour speed limit and somebody's going 70 miles an hour, the state doesn't have to prove that they knew they were going 70. They have to prove only that the car was traveling more than 60. So it doesn't make any difference whether you knew you were going 70. The statutes that were the subject of the the warrant all have this very high level of knowledge to prove Trump guilty ultimately and, and even to bring an indictment. 
there's going to have to be some showing that he knew that the documents were defense information, that he was concealing, removing, mutilating, that he was destroying, altering. I mean, he takes away any defense that he might have that he didn't know they were in there. He didn't pack them up. He didn't know how they got there. When he's identifying the fact that he knows they were documents that are at least marked classified, he is giving a little bit more to the prosecution. Now, you you also know that there's this discussion going on about the special master that took place this afternoon. Right, right. All right. So Trump's statements might tend to move the likelihood of an indictment forward, but the special master debate, I think, is going to slow it down. I think it's going to slow track the indictment if one is appointed, because a special master would then have the opportunity and the obligation to look at all of those documents to decide whether they're covered by the subpoena. For example, we saw a picture of Time magazine. Well, the special master would obviously say this is not a government document that is subject to any classification. Then the special master would likely make at least some determination as to whether or not there was executive privilege, whether there was attorney-client privilege, whether the documents were improperly classified. In other words, a special master is going to narrow the number of documents that supposedly or allegedly were unlawfully in in Trump's possession. And then it would go back to the court. So Trump's making the statements that he seems to know that some of these documents were classified is likely to push the indictment process forward. Special master and actually the delay in appointing the special master is going to pull it back. There is this lingering concern about the impact on elections. And at least up to this point, the Justice Department has said overtly that they're not likely or unwilling to do anything that would uh, seem to influence elections. We have the midterm elections coming up in November. I think they already have done that. I mean, it's nice of them to say they'll hit, they'll they'll tap the brakes before November. But you know, they whatever damage they they could do, they've done a lot of it already. Um, but let me ask you another question about the special master because I, maybe I'm overthinking this. But why does the Trump legal team? And I know you're too polite to say this, but I think the average boy band has more legal talent than the Trump legal team. But why is the insistence that the special master have a security clearance if Trump gave a standing order that this stuff is all declassified? See, they're, they're, they're ruining their own argument. They're, 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 they keep going back and forth about whether these are or are not sensitive papers. Yeah, the... Uh... You're right. There is an open legal question as to whether or not the president has the constitutional power to ultimately say these are classified, these are not. Whether he is restricted by a statute or whether the Constitution overrides any statute or any bureaucratic procedure. And there does seem to be some inconsistency, but they may be doing this to slow down the whole process. And they may be hoping that a special master will rule in their favor on this notion of whether or not Trump had the power to to declassified documents, although I, I don't know. The special master is probably going to be somebody who's going to go through that same box of documents, say, yeah, this one's attorney-client, this one could be covered by executive privilege, that kind of thing. But does, there, we're, we keep saying that he has the power to declassify a document. I understand that. But if a document has um, sensitive intelligence information or military information in it, that still is not something that we would want just anybody who dropped in on Trump to see. 
In other words, isn't there still a responsibility, even if you've declared it declassified, isn't there still a responsibility that that you have for these documents? Oh, I would definitely, yes, I would say so. Uh, and then we get back to the argument, is this whole search and seizure process more likely or less likely to produce more eyes on documents and give more people access to the information we're trying to withhold? And the, the indictment process, the notion that we don't indict just before midterm so as not to influence an election, that's kind of washed away with the process where we say the documents are secret and then officials within the DOJ are leaking documents or even overtly attaching photos to a motion uh, and filing that so that that becomes public knowledge. So there there is some confusion about whether or not these are classified, whether the president had the power under the Constitution to declassify them. The special master would have the power to look at the document and make some determination as to whether or not it would be too sensitive to release. Because even if the president had the power to declassify, there still might be, as you say, a national security concern that a judge could rule would prevent making those documents public, seal them, somehow make them inaccessible to the public, leaving them only to the eyes of the litigants. You know, I I think it's possible to walk and chew gum at the same time i i I still believe uh that the the impetus for this was a political one but it is freaking frustrating to watch the 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 inconsistency the ineptitude the constant contradictions and trump just saying way too many things when he really doesn't need to say anything at this point right I mean, you, you're just right. because your enemies are after you doesn't mean you have to make it easier for them. That's right. And I, I think it must be very frustrating for his attorneys to have to deal with the public statements, because after all, the attorneys at one point told the DOJ that they had either turned over everything or secured everything. And then supposedly when the warrant was executed, they found things that weren't covered by what the attorneys had represented, which creates a conflict between what the attorneys have said, what the president has said. Yeah, anything... Just generally, attorneys don't want their clients making public statements about the case. Yeah. It's much easier to defend somebody in court without having to confront all of these prior inconsistent statements. Amen to that. Bill Pyatt, professor of law, St. Mary's University. Always appreciate your insights and your time, professor. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. I don't know if this is legal or not. I guess we'll find out. Bank of America is announcing zero down payment, zero closing costs for black and Hispanic homebuyers in certain cities, uh, including but not limited to uh, Dallas, several other major cities. So zero down payment, zero closing if you're black or Hispanic. It's called the Community Affordable Loan Solution. Um, And in their News release, the bank says homeownership strengthens our communities. It helps individuals and families to build wealth. This will help make the dream of sustained homeownership more attainable for black and Hispanic families. It doesn't require mortgage insurance. There's no minimum credit score. They will look at your recent history of bill payments, like did you pay your phone bill on time and your car on time and stuff like that. Um, And then you'll get the loan. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, what if you're hearing that for the first time, what's your reaction to that? And 
I guess there's a lot of different ways you could take it. You you could say, well, it's about time. You know, the banks and real estate agents used to redline uh, black people and black neighborhoods. So maybe this is making up for that and it's only fair. There's a history of discrimination. Good. Maybe you're looking at it more like a dollars and cents thing, like, boy, do these bankers not remember 2008? Doesn't end well when you promise to look the other way at people's credit score? Does it seem like reverse discrimination? Like, well, if this is a good idea, why isn't it a good idea for everybody? If home ownership's the American dream, why isn't it the American dream for everyone? It does have a feel of those subprime loans and what happened to them in 2008-ish. But tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. I, I, I don't even know if it's legal or how it'll turn up, uh, turn out if it is challenged, which I imagine it will be. I think it will be challenged somewhere. And let me add one more wrinkle to it. We'll go to your calls. Uh, Brianna Morello on Twitter wrote, because I was following this to see what people were saying about it in different places, and on Twitter, this this lady, Brianna, tweeted, As a transracial woman, I am excited that Bank of America will be providing me and other transracial Americans with the opportunity to own a home without a down payment or closing costs. She urged her fellow transracials to take advantage of this program. You remember transracial is people that are dubbing themselves a racial identity, not the one they were born with. So it's it's transsexual, people that identify as something other than their biological sex or gender, transracial, like Rachel Dolezal, remember her? They identify as a different race. So now here's my question, and other people were wondering this too. Could you, as a white person go to Bank of America and say, I now identify as a Hispanic homeowner or a black homeowner. I want in on this. What sorts of proof would they require? What could they require? Right? I mean, how, how, how could you prove that? Would they make you prove that? Seems like the thing would kind of fall apart if they didn't, right? So how do you prove it? How do you prove you're transracial? I'm asking because I don't know. Maybe there's an answer. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Roland is on the radio. Roland, good afternoon. Hi there, Jack. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Doing wonderful. I just want to say I, I've been working in, in the banking industry since 07, and that would be that's totally illegal. Totally. The, the regulations are already there. I forgot which regulation it is, but... The regulation is already in the banking system that you cannot discriminate. You cannot, you cannot uh, give a, a, a give a benefit to one group of people and not the other. Uh, and it was well, hold on a minute, about, hold on a minute, uh, Roland. Aren't there aren't there aren't there loans that you have to be a veteran to qualify for or other? I mean, there there are all, there are all, loans that you have to be a certain kind of person to get, right? No, but when it comes to color, race, gender, uh, sexual orientation, all of that's 
written in, in the regulation and written in federal okay. law. But That's wouldn't you totally think Bank illegal. of America has attorneys? I mean, they must have a whole they must have a whole department of of, of attorneys. And did none of them point this out? Or I, did... I can't even believe that they were even allowed to do it because the the the, the Fed, the Federal Reserve, would have already stepped in. And all all a you know I hate to say it, but all a white person has to do is make a complaint. And the Fed, the Fed should already step in, and they would have to stop. That's totally illegal. Totally. I wonder how they would make you prove you were transracial. Uh, well, according to them, according to the liberal left, I guess, you don't. You just have to state it. Yeah. You know, well. but uh, again, I guess answering your question, can they do this? I, I can't even believe it. It's it's totally illegal. It goes against Federal Reserve regulation. Yeah, I hear you. Roland, I appreciate your call, sir. Thank you. Thank Good you, to have sir. you. 210-599-5555. Brian is on the radio. Hi, Brian. Hi, Jack. Thanks for having me. Uh, sure. I, I mean, I think it's obviously racist. And just like the gentleman before said, it's most likely illegal. Um, I My impression of it, you know, is that it's in a, it's going to be, it's a form of tax because wasn't it Bank of America that was bailed out after the housing crisis? Uh, I don't remember. I thought one of the banks or many of them were bailed out because of the whole mortgage. All the how, but how is it a, how is it a tax? What do you mean by that? I, I guess because if they expect to be bailed out again, I mean, it's obviously irresponsible oh, okay. to have, you know, sub- I guess sub. So you're saying they know this will blow up on them, and when it does, they just figure politicians will bail them out because they're too big to fail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, know, I, hadn't, just... I hadn't thought of that. I guess that's. I guess. I guess in this day and age, probably any any kind of big company in this country could could operate on that assumption, right? I mean, why why worry too much about whatever you do? Because chances are you can find somebody in one of the parties to to sponsor a bailout bill. <laughs> you're a big company there's no risk to anything you do i guess but i i'm with i'm with you and i'm with uh roland that um it doesn't sound like this would pass muster um in terms of how obviously discriminatory it is but but if we're now entering an era where the name of the game is reparations the name of the game is evening uh past wrongs and wrongdoing and and we really we're, we're not really having that discussion i mean we've talked about reparations you've heard politicians say but at some point we're going to really get right down to the nuts and bolts of this and we're going to start talking actual numbers and mechanisms for reparation whether it's reparations for all people who can prove slave ancestry or or what it will be um, I, I guarantee you one of the defenses of this will be, well, historically, historically, the um, banking and real estate industries um, screwed black homeowners and black neighborhoods. I mean, that's a historical fact, although what's also interesting about that is if you look closely at it, you know when all that started? You know when restrictions in loans and red lines around neighborhoods? You know when all that started? 
That started with the New Deal. Because you had FHA and the government muscling its way into what had previously been a private market. And it was under the auspices of federal loan programs that they wrote language. You can look this stuff up that said houses could only be sold to white people and only white people could live in uh, in neighborhoods. And we talked a while back about a man named Levitt who um, after World War II became the biggest home builder in the country. That's why there's a Levittown, New York, and a Levittown, Pennsylvania. He innovated the idea or was one of the leading innovators of the idea of tract housing. Anyway, Levitt, for all the good he did, um, wrote uh, deeds selling homes to white-only veterans and prohibiting them from selling their homes to black buyers. And he did it with the full knowledge of the FHA. So it would be ironic if liberals were the ones defending Bank of America because their most prized and all-time favorite idea, the New Deal, is where this all started. But is that how they're going to sell it, do you think? Well, you know, yeah, of course it's unfair. You're not wrong to think that, but we need an unfair countermeasure to the history that was unfair. I'm guessing, but I'll bet you that's the selling point when they need one. Bank of America has made a big announcement about a zero-down payment mortgage plan to boost black and Hispanic home ownership. The catch is that this particular program is only for black and Hispanic borrowers. And um, so you, you're, you're going to have it in several cities, Dallas, Detroit, Los Angeles, some other cities, not all across the country. It's not, it's not here in San Antonio, at least not yet. Maybe it'll expand. I don't know. Um, it's called the Community Affordable Loan Solution. Requires um, no mortgage insurance, no minimum credit score, uh, no money down. And um, the argument for it is that black home ownership has been in a 10-year decline. I would imagine there's also going to be an argument made that historically the industry openly and with the full knowledge of the government at the time discriminated against black borrowers and home buyers, um, kept white neighborhoods white, kept uh, black people on you know that side of town or over here or on the other side of the highway or whatever it was. I mean, those things are real. I got very interested in this some years ago, and I read a, a trilogy of books by the historian Taylor Branch. They're wonderful books. Um, he wrote them. They came out in the early 2000s, and he wrote these three books about the civil rights, the history of the civil rights movement, um, Parting the Waters, Pillar of Fire, and now I can't think of the third one. But anyway, you can look up Taylor Branch. You'd find these books. And one of the things I learned from reading his books was that, okay, yeah, people discriminated against people, but government was very involved in that. And in the case of um, mortgage banking, the FHA was, you know, hand in glove on all this stuff. They knew it. And here you had a succession of liberal Democratic presidents, Roosevelt and Truman and Kennedy and Johnson, and the Fair Housing Act in the 60s. And they're still doing all this, even through all of that. So 
I'm pretty sure if they get pushback, that's going to be part of the defense. Does that make sense to you? I mean, maybe maybe it does. Maybe that's sort of like you think, well, I know it's discrimination, Jack, and it doesn't sound legal, but it seems like it's good karma or it's you know it's it's only fair. Maybe it'll make amends for the past. But then one of our callers made a good point. What if it um, results in a lot of bad loans? And I'm not saying that every black homeowner is a bad a borrower, but if you're if you're saying we're not going to require a down payment, we're not going to look at credit scores, we're not going to in other words, we're not going to run this this borrower through the paces. We're we're saying in essence we don't want to look too close at them. There is a possibility that that will result in a lot of bad loans. And if that then means that some future Congress or president says we need to bail out Bank of America, that'll be on you. So this is another one of those ideas. I know I sound like a broken record. This is another one of those ideas that is presented as if it's win-win. Like nobody loses. We're just adding more people to the American dream. We're just putting more people within reach of home ownership. But it's not necessarily true if taxpayers wind up footing the bill for what turn out to be ill-considered loans. Again, not presuming they would be, but you would think just two minutes ago the banking industry was in the throes of a lot of badly crafted, ill-considered mortgage loans, right? That was, that was, that was 2008. Maybe, and I'm just throwing this out there, maybe we need a more honest discussion. Like instead of Bank of America doing this big splashy thing that they are hoping makes them look good, maybe we need an honest discussion about the past. What happened? Who had a hand in it? It's why a lot of our cities look the way they do. I mean, those redlining practices, those discriminatory practices, shaped a lot of American cities. They've never gotten out of that pattern. The layout, the neighborhoods, the, the urban development, all because of that. You know, we're 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 different because we're a city that's still we're still emerging and growing, and there's wet concrete everywhere you look. But but you take those northern cities, those big cities up north and and up east, and they're they're done. And they are the product of a lot of political malpractice and racial malpractice and everything else. So, Christian, are you a um, are you ever a binge watcher? You know what, I am sometimes, but I I go back and forth. It depends on what I've got access to or what I'm into. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm not really good at binge watching. Um, well, keep practicing. You'll get it. Or, yes, that's right. <laughs> Um, is there anything recently that you've been into? or Because yeah. I noticed you're saying we're going to have a lot of rain this weekend, and I was just kind of thinking, well, maybe people will wind up staying in. Well, if you want suggestions, and this is probably oh. the last six to nine months, have you seen Ozark? A lot of people have mentioned that to me. I've never seen it. No. Okay, that's about Lake of the Ozarks, where I just came from. In fact, had I watched Ozark before I moved there, I wouldn't have moved there. But <laughs> that's beside the point. Um, wait a minute, is this a recommendation? Or uh, No, what? it is, because it's okay. like a, um, you know, I'm going to give you two. Ozark is one, Okay. and then I want you to check out uh, Money Heist. 
Money Heist. Now, yep. Ozark is on Netflix, right? Yeah, I believe they both are. They are? Okay. Yeah, What's Money Heist? Money Heist is a Spanish series think um oh, what's the uh, the george clooney uh robbery stories you know the uh what is it called oh gosh i i would just freeze here on the air uh think about the most elaborate bank like the rob- italian job or something like that yeah or? something kind of like that um Gosh, I can't think of it. Someone's going to call it. Or Ocean's Eleven? That's it. Those are the ones. Now, take that to Madrid, Spain. You get the English subtitles. It was a whole, Hmm. it was a big phenomenon around the whole world. It was just, it blew me away. My daughter tried to get me to watch it for months. I was like, Spain can't do a great series. Well, yeah, they can. Uh, It's it's like the ultimate page turner. If it was a book, you would start it and you'd finish it the same day. Money heist. Look that up. Money heist. Okay, very good. Thank yep. you. So Christian's starting us off. This is my question to you. What are you binge watching or have binge watched? 210-599-5555. Because let's face it, um, it may rain this weekend. And uh, I hope it doesn't ruin all your plans. But you may be inside more than not. And maybe you're not um, insanely devoted to college football like some guy I know, but it seems like everybody, when you get them started on this, everybody has at least one that you've got to watch it. And, you know, I go back to when television shows were on when they were on and you had one chance to see them, and if you didn't get home in time, that was it. And it seems like with the availability of on-demand viewing, now people don't say, hey, you should try Seinfeld sometime. Now, people, when they recommend a show, it's like um, it's like they're recommending a religion. You have to you have to buy you have to watch it all, right? It's there's six seasons, but you've got to watch them all. And uh, so that's cool. Whatever it is, Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatever. I can't I can't use Amazon Prime right now. I'm, I'm having that technical problem with it that I mentioned the other day. I'll I'll, I'll get into that later. But anyway, um, any any streaming service. Uh, any kind of show, what do you recommend? What are you binge watching? 210-599-5555. You can also email me, jack at ktsa.com. <clears throat> and um, while you're working on that, be looking for or thinking up some good uh, dad jokes because tomorrow night will be, uh, tomorrow uh, afternoon will be dad joke Friday on our show as we head into the weekend, so. Um, all right, 210-599-5555. Um, what do you recommend? What are you binge watching? And Curtis is going to start us off on KTSA. Hey, Curtis. Hi. Um, it's on uh, Netflix, mm-hmm. and it's a series called Mindhunter. It's, it was only on for two seasons. I think it started in 2019, and it's uh, it's a series about the uh, early days of the behavioral sciences unit in the FBI. And these oh, two okay. agents uh, go around and they interview all of these serial killers in prison. And in, in this show, they hadn't even to- uh, coined the term serial killer yet. They didn't quite know what to call them. And they went and interviewed all these people to try and find out why they do what they do, and, you know, to try and catch them. But uh, it's it's really, really good. Now, if this is what I'm thinking it is, um, it's called, you said it's called Mindhunter, right? Mindhunter, uh-huh. Yeah. It, 
it kind of sounds similar. There was a movie about, I don't know, 35 years ago called Manhunter that was also yeah, no, about, it, do you remember that one? Yes. Man, uh, Manhunter was kind of, uh, was uh, the first incarnation of Red Dragon. That's, that's what yeah, they yes, made that yeah, movie the guy, Thomas Harris, the guy that wrote, um, you know, uh, Silence of the Lambs and so forth. Yeah, yep. that, that, yep. that was him. It sounds similar to that. I mean, it was about profiling, and and a serial killer comes after the profiler, and it is uh, the uh, the two characters in this series are actually based on uh, actual FBI agents that were in the FBI. Uh, the series takes place in the uh, I think it starts in 1977. Okay, so uh, it's it's really good, though. really good. And did you say that was on Netflix? Uh, yes. Uh huh. Netflix. Okay, very good. Curtis, that's a great one. Thank you. What are you binge watching these days? 210-599-5555 in case people need something to replace their, uh, you know, they, they need plan B because it rains over the weekend or on the weekend. Um, or maybe you're just feeling like you want to stay in. Maybe it's not even the weather. Maybe you're just like, I, I can't take it anymore. After this week, after this summer, I just want to burrow into something and forget about everything going on in the world and politics and 210-599-5555. All right, so we're going to talk about that. Give me your ideas, and um, we're also getting your votes in on the JR poll. And um, what did I, I, oh, I, I did mention, I think I mentioned this earlier, um, or maybe I didn't. No, I'm going to mention it again anyway. Um, I was reading where in Norway... People, uh, some people that own Teslas have been complaining about the uh, build quality of Teslas. You never know what to... I, I, I know a couple of people that have Teslas, and everybody's different. You have people that own a Tesla, and they think it's the greatest thing ever. And then there are people that, that cannot stop complaining about them. I don't know what to believe. I'm not in the market for one, so it doesn't matter. But apparently there's a group of Tesla owners in Norway who um, are so upset about quality issues with their cars, they've gone on a hunger strike. I never heard of anything like that. I mean, have you ever had a bad car? Have you ever had a lemon, we used to call them, a lemon? Would it have occurred to you to go on a hunger strike? It's like It seems very elevated. <laughs> no, I just wrote a letter to the company, or I, you know... Complained on social media. No, these people are on a hunger strike until Tesla heeds their complaints. They say they uh, their complaints include poor customer service, uh, not getting calls back, problems with rust and paint quality, uh, battery life, range, failed heating pumps, stuck door handles in the cold, uh, the... the uh, Dashboard screens going out, and so they've gone on a hunger strike in Norway. Are you binge-watching anything right now, or have you? And if people are going to be maybe hunkering down through the rainy weekend, what should they watch? Uh, getting a lot of emails about this uh, on Netflix, a show called Billion Dollar Code. I think, yeah, Billion Dollar Code. Um, one on Paramount Plus called The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, which is a World War II story. Uh, we just had a, a gentleman call in, and uh, Curtis called in about Mind Hunters. 
55. Now, one that was recommended to me a while back, and I can't remember now who told me about this, and it was probably more than one person, because I would probably have to hear about a show from more than one person before I would kind of click to it. I'm sorry, don't take offense by that, but anyway, I was hearing about this show called um, The Terminal List. Have you seen this? It's very popular. I think it might have been at one point the most popular show um, on Netflix. Or no, I'm sorry, it's on Amazon Prime. It's got Chris Pratt, and he's a Navy SEAL guy, and um, it sounded like a great premise. It's based on uh, a best-selling novel. Um, I really could not get into it. I, I, it's probably the kind of thing, if it was a movie, and you said, here, two hours, this is the, you know. But when I started thinking about, do I want to watch multiple episodes of this? No, really didn't. And that's the thing about binge-watching. It feels like you're committing to the whole thing, right? Like, you got to sell me that I'm going to want to watch all of this. Tell me what you're binge watching. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Andrew is on KTSA. Hi, Andrew. Good evening, Jack. Hey, uh, just finished watching something that's been out for actually several years now called Counterpart. It's on uh, Prime Video and has J.K. Uh-huh. Uh, Simmons in it. Oh, and yeah, he's a great it, actor. It's a wonderful combination of a little bit of sci-fi. With a with an old fashioned Cold War spy thriller, hmm. and it's uh, two seasons long. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't go beyond that, so twenty episodes. But uh, I got hooked right away, uh, first episode, and just could not walk away. That does sound good. I mean, all, everything you just described—that's my kind of that's my kind of show. I I've been having trouble with Amazon Prime lately. I don't know if you've ever done this, but apparently they have a feature where there's a narrator. If I guess for a person that was, um, you know, sight impaired, there's a feature you can okay. turn on where a, a woman's voice describes everything that's on the screen, and she talks all through the show. <laughs> Somehow I have turned that on, and I there's no I can find no setting for it. I can find no way to to turn it off, and I, it, so I can't I watch did, it. I did that once. I did that once, and I do not remember how I turned that off. But yes, oh it man, I would you insane. If I can, if anyone knows the way to turn that off, I'll be your friend for life because that is a pain in the neck. And she talks through. I mean, you can't even hear the uh, the dialogue of the characters because she never stops talking. So, which I'm sure is very useful to people that are blind, but not not to me. Um, Andrew, thank you. All right, Andrew recommends Counterpart on Prime two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. What are you binge watching, or what do you recommend for binge watching? Um, Renee says Ted Lasso. That's another one I've heard a lot of people have said that. Um, and I have to be honest, I, that's another one I have not tried yet. But people swear by it, say it's the funniest thing, it's clever, it's got layers and layers. Uh, Jason Sudeikis, so I think it's really funny. Um, I think, in fact, um, if I remember, I might have I might have read this somewhere. I believe that character he plays, he plays an American who goes over to manage a soccer team in, I don't know if it's Britain or Europe or whatever, but somebody told me that Jason Sudeikis played a part in a commercial and it, it gave the writers the idea to make a series. And it's been a very successful uh, 
kind of comedy series. Anyway, um, you, every so often there'll be a show that everybody's talking about, and you know, I remember for a while everybody was talking about Squid Game. Remember that? And then that you suddenly heard nothing about that. Of course, the other interesting thing about binge watching is these things are all out there, and they'll always be out there. So there's no like pressure to get in on it while it's happening. A while back, we talked about Twin Peaks. I remember what a sensation that was when it was on ABC in the early '90s. But I mean, you if you if you weren't there, if you didn't watch it when it was on, that was it. It was gone. The thing about on-demand viewing is you, I guess you you can take as long as you want to come around to these things. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Roland is next. On KTSA, we're talking about binge watching. Hi, Roland. Hey, Jack, how's it going? You got one I for us? I was, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I was catching this show at ten o'clock every uh, every evening in plain sight, and I'm like, man, ten to eleven. So I said, you know, I'm gonna look this thing up. So I found it on Freebie, mm-hmm. and it's got all five seasons from 2008 to 2012, I believe, and uh, it's about the uh, witness protection. And it is a, it is a real cool show, man. I got hooked on. Oh, okay, it. what what makes it good? What do you like about it? Well, like I said, it's it's, a, it's always different. It's about different episodes all the time. It's kind of like it's sometimes it, it's a continuing story, but it's usually mm-hmm. like witness protection, you know. And and, yeah. and it's uh it's kind of comedic. Mary McCormick is the star of it, and but it's a lot of like you know drama, adventure, whatever you want to call it. But but yeah. as far as that talking thing you're talking about. Uh, do you do that through the Roku or, or through Amazon you was talking about? No, it's on the Amazon app. Oh, the app. Okay, because I have Roku, and there, there's a, also the deal where, where it does that, but I forget exactly. It's, you just got to mess with it, and you'll find out how to get rid of it. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's, spoken like a guy, Roland. I, I've been, believe me, I've been messing with it. Yeah, no, I appreciate it though. Thank you. Thank, you. and that's a great recommendation. That show sounds good. Thank you. I've always been, I've been fascinated by the witness protection program. Um, no, I'm not in it. I guess if I was, I'd be lying to you. I, I wouldn't tell you the truth, right? I mean, but that's the fascinating thing. Like, could you do it? If I had to go into the witness protection program, if you had to go into the witness protection program, what would be the hardest part of the witness protection program? And I, I would think the hardest part of it is, can you keep a secret? Because they give you a new identity. They hook you up with all the documentation and paper trail and everything. And it, it, you know, no matter how they check you, you have always been this person with this arc of a life. And you've got a biography, right? So isn't the challenge basically your discretion? Like, I would think, I've, I've never been in it, I don't know anyone who's in it, I don't think, maybe I do, but I would think the hard part would be like, you know, not saying too much. Not saying, you, you can't be too curt and, and taciturn, or that'll raise people's suspicion. He never talks about himself, he never, he never talks about his childhood, he never, you know, you have to be careful not to be too guarded, but you just have to be discreet, right? Like, you know who could never do the witness protection program? Donald Trump. If it comes to that, I'm not saying it will. <laughs> We're getting pretty far afield here. But, I mean, he could never do it. He couldn't do it. 
On the other hand, you know who could do it is Joe Biden. Because he's already created an entire history of his life, all full of events and places and things, none of which happened. Places he never was, people he never met, things he never did, degrees he never earned, childhood experiences where people called him Joey. He would ace the Witness Protection Program. In fact, they wouldn't even have to give him an identity. He'd go, no, 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 forget it. I've already got it. I've already got one. I've got the corn pop story and the hair, the leg hair, and I'm, I'm ready. He is so ready for that. Just saying. KTSA News Time at 637. We're going to see how you voted on the Bear County Judge Race in the JR poll, powered by Stevens Roofing. That's coming up this half hour. Uh, 210 599 5555. So we're talking right now about binge watching. Seems like everybody has something they got into or are, are into and they recommend. And it's kind of like. Um, it's more than the casual recommendation people used to have of a favorite sitcom or whatever now when people start telling you about their their binge watch show it's sort of like um they're converting you you've got to watch it it's amazing you know so there's something you feel that strongly about you want to tell us about 210-599-5555 bert is on ktsa hi bert hey jack how are you good how are you i'm doing great good uh the show I actually recommended uh, to the screener was uh, Seal Team. Uh, it's on CBS. Uh, it's already had five seasons in. Um, the new season comes out this month, uh, on the 18th, I believe. And uh, I kind of resisted it for a while. I am ex-military, and I, I, whenever I look at military-type movies, I always I nitpick it to death. That's wrong, right. that's wrong, this is wrong, right. whatever. Um, this is one of those shows that uh, I do find a, a few things that are incorrect but i'd say about 90 percent of what i see is pretty darn accurate hmm. um a lot of the the producers and the actors are ex-special forces green beret sealed uh, sealed seal team members um and they, they they act in it they produce it and they add, they add a lot of realism to the to the show quite a bit that sounds great From the uniform, that sounds great to the gun handling to uh the speak how they speak, um, which is how military people speak. They don't take the time to to correct it afterwards to explain to non-military people what it means. They they mm-hmm. they don't do that. They just speak it right through the way the way it's done. So pretty impressive. Seal team shows. on CBS. Yeah, I I've actually all right. seen all the seasons probably seven eight times. Um, as soon as the last season's over, I go right back to the beginning and watch it all over again because I tend to see things that I missed the first time. And, um, yeah, I can't wait for the new one to come out. And also, now, have on you... your prime issue... Go ahead, go ahead. Yes. Go, I'm sorry, go ahead. On your prime issue for the audio, um, I got on it just right now on my phone, and I managed to find it exactly what you were talking about, and I was able to turn it on and turn it off pretty quick, so... What 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 um, me, what did you pull down or what menu were you on to turn it off? 
And what, what is it called? I don't even know what it's when called. You hold on to a movie or, or a show. Yeah. If you yeah. tap on the, your phone go sideways. Um, right. When you tap on the screen, on the upper right corner are two little arrows. Right next okay. to it is another uh, rectangle, rectangular box mm-hmm. and with a bunch of little squiggly lines below it. You tap on that, and it'll put you to uh, another screen that says subtitles, audio. And below it says English, and below that says English audio description. Tap on oh. either one, and it'll remove you from from the audio description, which I turned it on, turned it off. Yeah. I, I saw exactly what you're talking about, and you're right. It's, it's very annoying. Although, I have to say, whoever that lady is, that that is one hard job because she has to describe every single thing that's visible yeah. every single second. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, I listened to it for about two seconds. I was more than done with it. Yeah. Have you ever watched the, the the reason I brought up uh, Amazon Prime was uh, the terminal list. Did you ever watch since since you like the SEAL did. series? Did I, you ever I did watch, watch that? Um, I, I did. I did like it. Um, the, uh, the one of the producers and the writer of it is Jack Carr, who is an mm-hmm. ex Navy SEAL right. team member as well. And um, it's it's of course there is some exaggeration for you know for for them for movie sake, but. Uh, for the most part, um, again, the uniforms, gun handling, the, the speak, the scenarios are, are very believable, um, pretty accurate. Um, we, once you get past that, then you start getting into the Hollywood portion of it, the plot right. and, and whatnot. But other than that, it was very well, very well done, very well acted, uh, okay. good action. Um, I, I liked it. Um, it. It is it is long because it's something you definitely want to take the. Definitely want to binge on it um, because when, I was kind of apprehensive about it as well. But my niece recommended it. I tried it after the first couple episodes. I was pretty hooked on it, and I managed cool. to watch it the entire weekend from beginning to end. Well, maybe I'll give it another. Life. Maybe I'll give it another try then, based on what you're saying. And I'll definitely check out Seal Team, and and I will let you know on the air tomorrow if I was able to turn off the lady. So, yeah, great. Uh, you you will be you will be my new best friend if you are if i can do what you said and it works you've got a friend great. for life well, all right do it on your phone do it on your phone because the tv may be different but on the phone that's how i yeah. did it and uh, yeah no i'm gonna do it on my i only i only watch prime on my phone so that's where i'll do it perfect then awesome you thank you Bert. No problem with it you're welcome thank you sir have a great one thank you you too have a good night thank you very much Bye-bye. uh 210 599 this is the first woman i've never been able to turn off i've always before that <laughs> <laughs> that has never been my problem. But, uh, yeah, she talks through everything. So I'll never complain again. You know how you have, like, somebody you take to the movies and it... Dip, 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 dip. I'll never complain about that again after the the audio subtitle lady on Amazon Prime. Uh, 210-599-5555. We're talking about uh, what you're binge watching. And speaking of movies... Um, I'm pretty sure any day now, I don't know if it's this weekend or next weekend, but there's a movie coming out about Padre Pio, who is a, um, who was a, uh, a monk and a, um, and has become a saint in the Catholic Church. He lived in the, uh, I believe in the 19th century, if I'm remembering correctly, in, um, in Italy and, um, came from very humble background and, um, uh, a very religious family. And anyway, he made a decision as a child to dedicate his life to God and 
service. And um, when he joined the monastery, he had a number of illnesses. I think he'd had a sickly childhood, too. But anyway, he wound up, the story goes, with the stigmata. He had, he had the wounds on his body that Jesus had from being crucified. And over the course of his ministry, many, uh, there, was, there was a great deal of, of faith formation and many miracles were attributed to him in his life and to people who prayed for his intercession after he died and anyway that the Catholic Church beatified him and then made him a saint. Well, they're making a movie. And here's the interesting thing that's happened. So Shia LaBeouf is the actor who was cast to play Padre Pio. And I don't know a lot about Shia LaBeouf, but from what I've heard, he's kind of a bad boy actor. He's been he's been in trouble. He's been hard to work with. You know, he's got kind of that reputation. He's a good actor, but he has had a very troubled life. Well, he is now saying that he was um, transformed by studying and reading up on St. Padre Pio. And he recently did an interview in which he said, as a result of working on that movie, he has converted to Catholicism, and he believes that that movie saved his life. He said that he was suicidal at the time that he was cast, and he didn't see any future for himself, and he couldn't get him he couldn't he couldn't and we're always surprised right when when famous people or or rich people or what have you have these issues there was a story in the news the other day about a a very young woman who was a television anchor up in the midwest who out of nowhere took her own life and and it shouldn't surprise us because depression and and things like that have nothing to do with how famous you are or how much people like you it has nothing to do with that nothing Believe me. But anyway, he says that he believes God worked through him, perhaps even drew him away from his depression toward this project. And um, he said it was almost like I feel like I was tricked in a way because I, I didn't see what was happening at first. And before I knew it, it had changed me. And um, I I hope this is all true. I I realize as you're hearing this, you're probably thinking what I thought when I first heard it, which is this could be be like PR for the movie. I I really hope not. I hope that this is sincere for him. Not, Not, if for no other reason than because it sounds like his life has been saved, and I hope that he really is in a better place. And if that's why, so much the better. But, uh I'll be interested to see that movie. Padre Pio is a big favorite of mine and is a big favorite of my dad's. And um, We have a Padre Pio church here in San Antonio, one of the very first in the United States. So anyway, that movie's coming out. It reminds me a little bit. Do, do you remember, Don, you might remember her. You remember an actress named Dolores Hart? Does that ring a bell? Oh, uh, does not ring a bell. She was in one of the Elvis movies. And uh, if you Google her, she was a very big star in the 50s and 60s, a beautiful young woman whose career was just on a straight-up rocket ship to the moon path. She made a movie in which she played a Catholic saint, St. Clair. And 
when they were, um, I guess, filming in Italy, she she met Pope John the Twenty Third, and they introduced this. This is a famous story that's been told many times. They introduced, uh, you know, you have an audience with the Pope, so you have a, a large group of people, and the Pope comes in. And in the receiving line, they introduced this young lady to Pope John as the actress playing St. Clair. And St. John the Twenty Third replied, no, you are Claire. And they laughed, like, was he confused? Or, But it it started her thinking about where she was going in life, and she realized that she was so moved by the Claire story, she left acting and became a nun. I don't, I don't know if she's still alive. I know was, as of a few years ago she was still alive, because I remember seeing an interview with her, but... Um, I looked her up, but yeah. tell me if this is a stretch. She looks similar to Grace Kelly. Oh, yeah. She was often compared to Grace Kelly uh, and got a lot of the roles that would have gone to Grace Kelly because, remember, Grace Kelly at this point had retired uh, from acting. But, um, yeah, no, she became a nun and spent the rest of her life, and if she's still alive, she's still there um, in an abbey. But uh, we'll see what happens with Shia LaBeouf. I really hope that's sincere and... And God bless him if it is. And I hope it's a good movie. I'm looking forward to seeing it. On the JR poll, we uh, asked you about the Bear County Judge race. Trish DeBerry or Peter Sakai, 86% uh, said Trish DeBerry, 14% for Peter Sakai. New JR poll tomorrow, powered by Stevens Roofing. You can find it anytime at ktsa.com. You can find our show on demand episodes anytime. Also, I guess you could binge listen. I can't imagine why, but I guess you could on the Jack Riccardi page at KTSA.com. Yeah, we were talking about uh, binge-watching shows. This is funny, before I go to the callers. So I, I was talking about that issue with the audio subtitles on Amazon Prime. I've received several emails, and everybody's uh, way of fixing it is different. <laughs> I may not be in tomorrow, Don. I may have to take the day to try all of these. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Um... Okay, Steve is next as we're talking about what do you binge watch or recommend people binge watch. Hi, Steve. <laughs> hey, Jack. Always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Now, Thank you. Um, you know, I had to take a, uh, a, a snooze and a snack between this. But real quick, I'll, 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 move, I'll move on. Band of Brothers, man. Oh, uh, yeah. If anybody, if anybody says anything other than that, that's fighting words. And, Jack, that's all I have to say. Okay. Band awesome. Of and what, where is that? Who has that? Is that HBO or what is that? Well, you know, um, those come and go all the time. But Do they? it's funny. My wife will always tell me, hey, it's on. And no matter where it is, I'm You'll going watch it. to go yeah. over. There you go. Yeah. That, that, that sounds good. That's, that's, I loved I loved the book. I loved the movie. I'll have to check it out. Thank you, Steve. Let me get one more in here real quick. Just a few seconds left with Brown. Brown, you usually hey, call Jack. me on Friday. What's this? I know, but you're, you're talking about uh, TV that you watch while you're eating. So <laughs> True. Okay. You got me there. It's the, so what's yours? The Orville. Have you, or, the Orville. Have you heard of the Orville? No. That one is Seth MacFarlane, and it is. Uh, it started off in my mind as a spoof on Star Trek. But oh, you know what okay. Star Trek has neglected is the camaraderie, the jokes that if you were in the yeah. military and you you go through a battle, 
and you win, you're going to celebrate, unlike right. you know being prim and proper from Star Trek. Right. But they have taken Star Trek and turned it upside down, and it is an amazing show. I mean, it's so much more intelligent than I would have ever imagined. I mean, the guy is the voice of the of you know of Peter Griffin on The Family Guy and Ted mm-hmm. from the movie, but right. he is an amazing actor and director. Yeah. And you just and they touch on every single topic that is in the news as far as woke you know type people all right but it, it is it, it hits it from both i'm angles. gonna check i'm gonna check it out i don't mean i don't mean to cut you down but we're, we're the show is over thank hey. you brown i appreciate yep. it and we'll see you back here tomorrow at four